morning, Henry Harris, another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today, do you have a habit? Listen to this. Okay, let's begin now with our reminder, our review, and what it is that we're doing here. Uh, We're reviewing the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. What are the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health? Well, They are built on a simple truth that your psychological experience is healthy. The uh, distressing feelings, it's a form of, it's an expression of health. The uplifted feelings, those are an expression of health. The whole package is unconditionally healthy and it's subject to our misunderstanding. It is possible that we misunderstand what is true about our psychological experience and conclude that there is something wrong, defective, um, unhealthy about us. And that is simply a misunderstanding rather knowing the truth about our psychological experience that it, all of our experience is coming from one single simple source in this moment allows us to realize that we live in a varied and variable and moving and shifting kind of experience of life. But that whole experience is being hosted by something safe, something all powerful and, and good. So let's speak a little bit more about how this looks and works. We get feelings. We get feelings all the time. Um, we don't notice that we're having feelings even. We're just experiencing our lives. We're feeling our way through life, so to speak, because that's just how it shows up. And those feelings are easily associated with things, with circumstances, with events. It's just human. It's just natural for us to kind of feel a feeling and then think to ourselves consciously, unconsciously, well, what's that about? You know, where's that coming from? And the conclusion that we'll often draw is, oh, that's coming from the fact that obviously uh, this person is giving me a hard time or this person uh, expressed disapproval or uh, this obstacle is beyond my control and it's preventing me from accomplishing ABC or this event in my past. um, Why, why do I experience uh, nervousness or anxiety or all kinds of things? Well, that's because of something that happened in my past that I haven't yet resolved. Now, I certainly don't want to say that there aren't things happening in the world and in our lives uh, or that happened in our past. There are all kinds of ways in which people that we can experience, uh, injustices or inappropriate behavior. There are times and places where we are called and responsible to intervene, to respond, to uh, to protest or to uh, assert some kind of a claim or justice. That, that's certainly the case. What we're speaking about is what's true about the psychological experience in all those given moments, all those given spaces and times and places where there might be a real need to intervene. That's part of life that we are responsible for our lives and our, and our choices. Um, But the psychological experience about about, uh, with which we are, we're experiencing those things. Those aren't coming from the things. Those are, they're just not, it can't work like that. There's only one way it works. I just want to remind you, I'm reminding myself Each time we revisit this logic, there's a logic, there's a rationale behind this understanding. The basis of the logic and the rationale is worthwhile to explore, to consider, um, even though 
the act of learning and exploring this rationale doesn't have the ability directly to change us because what we're simply doing is we're learning about how things work. And part of how things work is that I'm not in control. Circumstances are not in control. Um, saying certain words, reviewing certain thoughts, none of those things literally have, they don't have the ability to kind of change my, my experience of life in a felt way. But what we're doing is as we explore and describe the truth about how our feelings work, we start to to step back and we start to disentangle from the misconceptions that we might have about how things work. And that's powerful. That's very powerful. There's a tremendous power to reviewing what's true about our psychological experience and to reviewing what cannot be true about a psychological experience because it allows us the to to kind of reset more easily. We our nature is to live with a certain simple understanding. Our nature is simple. We were created with simplicity. The whole world is flowing in this kind of simple way. There is no other power that's animating anything. It's all coming from one single source and we are all kind of an extension of that single source and of course we can understand that source intuitively, deeply in an inner knowing way. And that inner knowing certainly will change our lives. It's just that we don't control how and when and where that inner knowing kind of shows up in our consciousness. I don't know how to to kind of turn that inner knowing on. I will say this, that it's normal that we get reset, that we revisit that inner knowing. And when we kind of explore it and 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 learn about it, it becomes closer to our consciousness, closer to the surface that we can identify, oh, that's what's going on inside of me right now. Oh, I'm experiencing a, a, a variable flow of consciousness, and its I'm not the author of it. Uh, neither are my circumstances. It's not an indication that there's something actually wrong about the world. It's just an indication of kind of an internal flow, weather pattern. And every, help, every human being, every healthy human being flows with that ver- variable flow, all of that is part of a normal, healthy, safe functioning experience that, of course, is subject to our misunderstanding, right? On a regular basis, I, I, uh, one of the things that I've come to accept and appreciate is that I won't become a master of this understanding in the sense that I'll never lose sight of it. I will, I will f- get fooled. I will revert to... Um, hey, that person thing, circumstances is really upsetting me and I should try to get rid of it or uh, fix it, you know, in a manner that really views it as the source, right? As I, as I appreciate that, how normal that is and kind of understand and accept that I'm just not in control over this, uh, over this understanding, I can... I can know it intellectually. I can know it rationally. I can see the logic of it. I can make room for it in my life. And even still, I'm not, I'm not kind of the expert at it. I'm not the, I'm not in control over it. I'm no, just as, just as, just as much as gravity is not something that I control. The fact that I know how gravity works doesn't mean that now I can somehow manipulate gravity. There's a spiritual gravity here. We're talking about the fact that I will, always for the duration of my life, God willing, for a long time, 
I will always be on the receiving end of a divine flow of consciousness that I'm not the author of. And I have the opportunity to watch it, to witness it, to acknowledge the truth about it, to acknowledge what cannot be true about it. That's my first kind of level choice in life. That's my, that's the, that's the kind of, you know, starting line of every moment is that recognition, that awareness. It allows me to kind of navigate my life based on a true platform, based on a, on a, on a basis of, of kind of a, a true and wise understanding. So uh, that awareness, I'm sorry, that, that truth, it's always reliable in terms of describing how things work. It's just that I don't have the ability to kind of know that and glimpse it in an inner knowing way at all times. That's really, you know, and, and yet it's liberating. It is truly liberating because we will glimpse it. We will glimpse it. There's no way that we won't glimpse it. And then we can acknowledge that we've seen something, acknowledge how normal it is to see and then to forget. And we make room more and more over time for the fact that life includes the experience of being not in control and it's safe. Life includes the phenomenon of not being in control of our kind of flow of consciousness, and yet it's safe. There's room in my life for every single experience because they're not, it's, it, they're not dangerous. They're not indications of danger. They're not indications of defect, of, of defect or, or, um, or shame. They're just experiences of a flow. That's it. That's what human beings get to do. And all of this fits under the rubric, in, in my understanding, of the mitzvah, of the commandment to know that there is one source, one God, one creator that is all-encompassing and energizing and sustaining everything, every moment. Everything, all power is in possession of the single simple source. I, I, I have use of power. I, I'm drawing breath and I'm moving my arms and I'm doing all kinds of things, but we know we know that it's just because we have use of this power doesn't mean that it's literally ours. We don't have the ability to, def- to determine how long the bre- that, that life force resides in us and that we have use over. We don't determine that. Certainly we have choices to make to uh, not to endanger or to act irresponsibly with it, but, but it's not our power in a literal sense in the same way that it's not our power to draw a breath it's not our power that flows new feelings and moods and thoughts inside my heart. There's a flow. And I, uh, I, I have no problem with that. On the contrary, I don't, desire, I don't want to resist it or manage it. I want to be in it with its discomforts, with its uh, pleasures and expansiveness. All of it. All of it. I'm interested in all of it. I'm interested in the truth about all of it. Because that is an extraordinary thing to see. It's first of all, it's true. The truth is good, and it's a it's a meaningful accomplishment. It's a really special accomplishment to to become attuned to the truth in our lives. And then on top of that, it, it only naturally positions us to be more receptive to a, a, a psychological freedom. You know, when I'm not invested in trying to manage my flow, my my weather, internal weather. I'm free to be in this moment's wisdom, this moment's experience, this moment's truth. 
So that's that's uh, that'll be our review today. Now I I talk I titled this at the beginning of the I, I mentioned. Do you have a habit? Check this out. So this occurred to me recently that there isn't uh, uh, everybody has a habit of some kind. For some people, that habit shows up in the form of kind of a hmm. It might show up in the form of eating. Uh, at times that a person doesn't want, it might show up in the form of uh, drinking or gambling or internet or shopping or all kinds of, there's all kinds of habits out there. Everybody's got a habit of some kind. Now, my understanding of a habit is that when a person experiences an emotional distress, some kind of an unpleasant emotional experience and, 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 and feels threatened by that emotional experience. It's only natural that a human being would seek some relief. That relief could come in the form of trying to, uh, to fight the feeling, or it could be to try and run from the feeling. Usually the way it works is that when a person attempts to fix the feeling and is not successful, uh, the feeling persists. It's unsafe. It feels unsafe and, and dangerous then the person looks for some kind of a distraction, some kind of a relief. And the food or the alcohol or the internet or the shopping or the gambling or many other types of things will constitute a helpful temporary relief. It really is a way to gain respite from the, pa- the painful feelings. Now, of course, that's built on a misunderstanding. It's built on the understanding that that those feelings really are unsafe, right? They're really something to run away from. They're really something that one must distract himself from because they're just, they're, 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 they're so, they're just, they're, they're, they're such an accusation. There's such a shame. There's such a pain in being in the, in the presence of that feeling that a person really, a person with a bad habit just sees, I can't be here. I, I must distract myself. Now, here's what I want to share as far as where there's a a, a tremendous pathway forward. The norm is every single person who has a bad habit, no matter how bad the habit is, no matter how long it's been there in his or her life, every single person is not consistently and constantly uh, in the kind of craving of the habit experience. It it doesn't work like that. Every person, even an extraordinary addict, there are, there are moments of, of kind of softening of, of respite where the, the, where the intensity of the craving or the intensity of the kind of desire for escape, it's just not there. There's a certain sense of like, wow, I can't believe I'm, you know, maybe there's a, there's a, um, what does it look like? It'll look like a certain peacefulness, but it could be a peacefulness that's tinged with worry. It could be a peaceful peacefulness that's tinged with fear because, okay, I, I as much as I feel uh, a certain, like, why, why would I go to the alcohol now? Why would I go to the food right now? Why? Like, it's so silly. Why do I do that? Like, my, there might be a certain curiosity and wonder, but it's, sp- it's spoken from a place of understanding that says, like, this is not real. Like, I don't want this. And it's a, f- it's a heartfelt sense of inner knowing, like, this is really not what I want. And yet, then it's tinged by fear. What's the fear? That 
as much as I know I'm in this calmer mode right this moment, I, I'm highly confident that the feeling of ed- fragility, the feeling of urgency, the feeling of, dis- uh, uh, of real discomfort and the desire to run away, that's going to resume. At some point, that's going to come back. I've seen it one time, one dozen times, a hundred times. The person with the bad habit knows that even though there are moments that of, of clear thinking and clear feeling, it, it, there can be, there's a certain possibility of of despondency. Like, what does it help me that that I don't feel the desire or the craving right this moment? What does that do for me? In an hour or in a day or in a week, whenever it is, it's going to resume. And I already know I don't have what it takes to to refrain from answering the call to the habit. Right. So so it ends up being that those feelings of calm and and respite are almost worthless because like okay very nice i it's good that i'm only part-time addicted or in stuck in my compulsion but i'm not interested in part-time i don't i'm i'm still as far as i'm concerned i'm enslaved right so all of that though is built on the basic idea that a person, let's look at what brings rise to the indulgence of the habit. You know, it's that fear. It's the fear plus the, it's the, it's the displeasure, it's the, it's the dis, uh, distressed feeling coupled with misunderstanding. That's the combo. It's the distressed feeling coupled with misunderstanding. This distressed feeling, what does it mean? It means that there's truly something wrong. If I were healthy, I would not have these feelings. The presence of these feelings, and I'm not speaking in a conscious, I'm not referring to a conscious thought process. I'm speaking about something that is underlying. There's an underlying kind of consciousness that is very powerful, that the presence of the darker feeling is itself uh, a failure. And so here this person is, he or she might be in a calmer feeling and and kind of a perplexed, like, wow, that is crazy that I could do X, Y, or Z. It really makes no sense. That that there really is a certain recognition, like it's not necessary. I don't need this urge and this craving to be fulfilled. But, But it's still coupled by, I know that two plus two is four. The presence of the feeling, I might not have the feeling of urgency right now, but the presence of the feeling is going to return. And that very presence, the very presence of the feeling is itself a failure. And if I am a failure, if I know I'm going to fail, then I might as well live in the failure, right? That's the psychology. Like, what's the point of refraining from the habit, if the craving is itself the failure, it's, it, it is already the failure. If, if I'm already failed, I, I, I might as well act on the failure and at least get a teeny bit of relief. Now, that's where we can offer something that I think is very meaningful. And yet, of course, I should just be, I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting a technique. I'm su- suggesting a, an understanding that I want people to listen for and understand and consider the truth of it, the wisdom of it. Let's be very clear. The presence of the feeling is not a failure. That's the main, that's the main understanding to hold on to. The presence of the feeling can look like it's a failure. Oh my goodness, it's so bad that I have this craving. I might as well run and act on it because I've already failed. I've already failed that I have the craving. No, 
the presence of the craving or the or the feeling or the distress, whatever it is, that presence is literally part of a healthy operating system. It is part of a healthy human operating system. It it feels yucky. It hurts. I'm not saying that I like those feelings or that I expect people to like them in a sense that they say, oh, come on in, you know. But the truth is, is that they really are, they really and truly are part of a healthy operating system. As I've said many times, the presence of your circulatory system right now is flowing with blood. It's flowing with blood in one direction with oxygen and nutrients. And in the opposite direction, it's flowing with, with poison, with CO2 and other toxins that are on their way out after having been uh, the, after being the byproducts of how your body made use of the oxygen and nutrients, your body right now is flowing with both the oxygenated and nutrient-filled blood as well as the uh, toxin CO2-filled blood. It's poison. The, those things are literally poison. And yet you and I, thank God we are healthy, we're alive, we're functioning, we are flowing with those poisons and those toxins. It's the misunderstanding of those of the presence of that toxic thinking that brings the toxic thinking to destructive places. It's only, I mean, think of how discouraging that is. Oh my goodness. Here's a person who is sitting in a calmer feeling after having, let's say, you know, indulged in a habit or who knows. He's sitting in a calmer feeling, but that calmer feeling has no real... It's, it's colored by fear. Okay, this is good this moment, but what's going to be in an hour from now? Bang. At that moment, he revisits the sense of, I am a failure. I, because my, I, I rise and fall based on the, on the quality of my feeling. And I know I'm going to have darker feelings. I know it. I've seen it over and over and over again. So what's the point? I don't have the willpower to resist when that feeling shows up. I don't have the, the no matter what efforts I've made or accountabilities or programs or whatever it is, um, I, I, I just don't know what it looks like to be free in the face of those feelings. Those feelings themselves are enslavement. And I don't know how to stop myself from getting re-enslaved. Well, that is, I mean, just sit in for a second and consider how, how devastating that could be for a person to truly feel that his success rides on, uh, it rides on his having a mind that's clear of unpleasant feelings. It's a, it rides on having a, a mind that's free of urgent and craving feelings. Oh my goodness, what a harsh decree to live under. What a harsh decree and an impossible decree. There will be no moment where the respite, where there, every single person gets respite from their cravings and their, and their fear and distress. Everyone does. But it's worthless to the one who says, yeah, very nice. This moment is, is, is a little calmer, but it's not what's going to be. That person never experiences the, the value of the reset. And the, what I'm suggesting is, is that there's an opportunity to consider I am going to flow with feelings of calm at times and feelings of urgency and distress. The presence of those distressing, urgent feelings is not a problem. You will be shocked at what is available to a human being and how a human being can navigate his life when he does not need to resist the presence of those feelings. He can be in those feelings 
He might slip, he might not, but he's going to learn. If he gives himself over to the feeling, does not try to stop it or resist it or judge it, allows it to be, allows it to be in his life like a hard, painful contraction, he will be shocked by what happens over time. Over time, he will start to see that there is something it's possible to be in that feeling. It's possible to be in it. It's possible not to have to manage it. And just to glimpse the truth about the fact that, wow, that is interesting. I do. I do get moments of respite. But yeah, I do tend to to kind of judge my way back, judge my way through the, the feelings of calm with like, yeah, so what? So what? Look for the truth of your experience. Look for and acknowledge the reality that the fact that you're flowing in and out of distress, in and out of craving, tells you that there's health inside of you. There's, there's a safe wisdom inside of you in the same way that there's safe wisdom inside of everything. There is permission for you to be in your distressing feelings. Those aren't failures. And if we see that, we will be free to be in the feeling without the need to fix and run from the feeling. That's the essence of addiction of compulsion is the need to run or fix an unsafe feeling. Seeing behind that, seeing the safety of those feelings is the path forward.